Well, turn with me, if you will, over to Psalms 105, verses 8 through 10. And uh, then we're going to also read uh, Galatians, the third chapter. And we want to read several verses of Scripture here as we begin, because we're, we're still talking about our covenant that we have with God. A covenant that He cut with us. It's His covenant that He gave us. We we didn't strike a deal with the Lord. He did it all for us, and He just said, if you want to be part of it, you can participate and become part of the program and part of what God's doing in our lives, and that's called the covenant. We're in in a covenant with the Lord tonight. Amen? Thank God for the covenant. Psalms 105, verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10, says, He remembers His covenant forever. Uh, we, you know, we need to understand one thing. When God does something, it's not hit and miss, and it's not temporary. When God does something, it's, it's eternal. And this covenant that God made was an eternal covenant that covers many, 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 many generations throughout time. It started with Abraham, when Abraham left the land of uh, idolatry that he was living in, and and uh, him and his father started out together, and then his father, Terah, got sick and, and passed away just before they went on, and the Lord told him to go on, and into the land of Canaan they came. That's what the Scripture says, into the land they came, and God began to unfold a plan. God, God has a people. God always has had a people. God's got people in Aubrey, He's got people in Denton, He's got people everywhere. He's even got some people in the Democratic part of the side. <laughs> Amen. Now, I know we don't think that sometimes, but <laughs> Brother Cliff's having a heart attack back there. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes people are just deceived and their heart is still good towards God, you know. But I don't see how they could stand for the ticket when it takes God out of everything. I, I don't understand that at all, but... Uh, of course, I don't understand a lot of churches that take the blood out of everything either. Amen. <laughs> so, you know, thank God we're, we're, we want to be one of those churches that believe the whole gospel. Believe the word of the Lord. Amen. And believe God. But he's, Abram, he said he made this covenant with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Now, turn over to Galatians, the third chapter. We're going to read several verses here uh, in the beginning as we as we start this tonight. Paul's writing to the church of Galatia. Now, Paul the apostle. Remember, Paul was a well learned um, in the Hebrew, in the law. He was in Judaism. He was high up there. He had been taught by the best of the best. He knew what the law was, and yet he was so deceived. He stood there and held the coat of the men that stoned Stephen to death, the very first martyr of the church. And Paul, or Saul of Tarsus was is what he was in, but on his row on his row on the road to Damascus, the Lord appeared to him and and God began to give him some revelation. And he told him to go to a certain house. He blinded him, you know. He blinded him right there on the road. The glory of God will blind you to everything else. You know, that's what, that's what happens. But he, he was blinded, and God told him to go to a certain house and wait there. And then God spoke to Ananias, a disciple of the Lord, and said, I want you to go to a street called Straight and inquire of one 
Saul of Tarsus is there. Saul of Tarsus. Now, can't you see Ananias just jumping up and down? Because this would be a lifetime experiment, experience. And uh, here he was being asked of the Lord to go visit Saul of Tarsus, who Saul of Tarsus had already made a reputation for himself of killing the Christians and persecuting. But Ananias did not know for a fact at that point that something had been done in Saul's life, Saul of Tarsus. And so God spoke to Ananias to do. Now, Ananias had to go to that house in faith. He had to go in faith. Wouldn't you have to go in faith if, if somebody told you to go to somebody that was an atheist and uh, anti-God, anti-Christ, and, and dirty and mean and rotten and murderous and all? I mean, I would think twice. I'd say, Lord, I don't look for signs, but could you give me one? <laughs> but Ananias obeyed the Lord, and he went. And when he walked in that door, he said, Brother Saul. Amen? Brother Saul. See, because God already revealed it to him that he was born again. Because that's what happened to Saul of Tarsus on the road. God changed his name from Saul of Tarsus to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he became, this man that persecuted the church became the writer of most of the letters and, and, the, and the books in the New Testament that we have today. And it's, it's, it's argued on the fact of who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it sounds like Paul's writings when you begin to read the book of Hebrews. And Paul was kind of an apostle to all the churches that were out there, and he was sharing with them the truths of the Lord. And he was sharing with them what the covenant is. Paul understood covenant. He understood what it was. He was raised in, in uh, the, the law of everything, and he knew that. And, and, and even some of the churches, if you'll remember, they were still keeping the law, and they were keeping the ceremonies that the, uh, under the old law. And saw, uh, Paul just addressed that issue, and uh, he, he began to tell them, you know, they're free. <laughs> well, we're redeemed. We're purchased. We're bought. And we don't have to observe and don't have to be carnal anymore. Praise God. Now, today, there's still some modern moves or people out there that are trying to get people back in bondage again to the ceremonies. The ceremonies are over with. <laughs> Jesus has become the supreme sacrifice once and for all, and there doesn't have to be any more sacrifices. Now, I do know that there's a move on amongst in, in Israel today amongst the Jews that they, and this has been going on for some time. I remember back when we went over to Israel in 1980, we had an opportunity to go, and um, we went over there for two weeks in Israel, and it was amazing because even then the Christians of uh, of uh, um, those that were messianic Jews or or whatever and and the Christians there there was a lot of insight into what was happening and they're 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 getting ready to establish the burnt offerings again now remember the Jews have not accepted Christ yet remember they have not accepted even though we're great friends with them they have not accepted Christ. Thank God for Netanyahu that's there that leans more towards the born-again experience and 
there's rumors, I don't know for a fact, but somebody said he is born again. And his wife was a born-again Christian. <laughs> so, I mean, we, I don't know that for a fact, but that, that would be good news, and that would be something to praise God for. Amen. But nevertheless, they're still God's people. They're still God's chosen people. In fact, this covenant that we're enjoying was a covenant that God created with Abraham way back yonder, confirmed it through Moses all the way through the Old Testament, and Jesus came as a supreme sacrifice, gave his life, and he became that supreme sacrifice in order for us to be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're born again. Praise God. We're not just, we're not just religious folks. We're born again. There's a difference. There's a difference in well, I go to church. That don't matter. You know, going to church don't make you a Christian. Being born in a car don't make you a Christian. Being born in a barn don't make you an animal. <laughs> Although some people act like animals sometimes, you know. But <laughs> but, but how many knows what we're saying? You, you know, it, it's an experience from the Lord. But this covenant, Jesus finalized the covenant by becoming the supreme sacrifice. Becoming sin he became that sin offering. He became sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So thank God. I, I know I repeat myself a lot on that, but we need to get that embedded in our spirit that Jesus has paid the price once and for all. all nothing you can do can, can change that fact. Hallelujah. And there's still a lot of people today that think religious activity will get them points with God. It, it, uh, listen, I believe you need to pray every day. I believe you need to get up. At, well, I get up early in the morning. Every morning I'm up early, 4.30, 5.30, you know. And I'm, the first thing I do is I go right in there to my desk and I get my Bible and I start looking at things. And I pray and seek the Lord. And, just, and, I, and I stay in an attitude of prayer for many hours. My wife gets up at the same time. And she goes to her little prayer room that she's got, and she gets in there, and she studies and prays. And, but, you know, that, that doesn't make merits with God. How many understands what I'm saying? You do that to strengthen your inner man. You do that to build yourself up in the holy faith. You do that to uh, strengthen uh, and be strengthened with might by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Holy Ghost power that's in us. We do those things. But that doesn't bring merit. It doesn't bring merit if I fast 40 days every three months, you know. That, 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 that doesn't bring any merit to my standing with God in the covenant. Now, what it's going to do, it's going to make me more aware and more keen to what God is saying and what God is doing. Fasting, fasting is not so much, listen, God's power is unchangeable. How many understand what I'm saying? God's power is unchangeable. You can't change the power of God. He is all-powerful. He's almighty God. And He has done everything He's going to do. But what fasting does, fasting brings your flesh under subjection. And as you bring yourself under subjection, you're more keenly aware of what the Spirit is saying to you and what He's wanting to do. Sometimes we've got to get some things cleaned out of us so that we can be an open vessel to be used of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, yes, we need to fast and pray. We need to do all of these things. 
And as the day approaches, we need to fast and pray some more. There's some evil things out there. There's some evil things that's going to happen in this earth and in this world. And we don't know how long it's going to be. But we do know one thing. Jesus even warned us. He, he warned the disciples as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I, I'm not shocked and surprised no more at what I see and what I hear. Because Jesus himself says as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And how many knows that there wasn't even ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah to be saved. Because Abraham interceded for them. He interceded on their behalf. And he said, Lord, if there be ten. Or no, he went up, it was a little higher than that, and then he got down to ten. He said, Lord, if there be ten. If there be ten. Lord said, okay, if there's ten, I'll, I'll, I'll spare it. But you know what? There wasn't even ten. There wasn't even one, hardly. Even Lot's wife turned to a pillar of salt. Even when the angels of the Lord came into Sodom and Gomorrah there, and uh, Lot, you know, he, he... Listen, when you've known the Lord, you recognize when something's of God or not. Amen? He recognized the angels of the Lord, and then the men of the city wanted to come and take the men and do things with them because that spirit of sodomy was there, and all of that was there. And Lot even offered his own daughters just to get them away from there. They didn't want that. But you know what the angels did? They just kind of smote a little blindness on them. And they had to stagger around in the dark. And then God gave Lot a message. said, get out. Lot and his wife and his children left. But his wife decided she looked back. God told him not to turn back. Don't look back. Listen. Listen, we've come, we've come a long ways. We don't look back. We don't turn back. We're, we're going to go forward. Amen? We, why, bad things have happened in all of our lives somewhere in the past, but what we've got to do is leave it where it's at, turn your back on it, and look forward and go forward in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Because we've got a covenant with God tonight, and God's going to keep His Word. But Lot's wife turned back, and she turned to a pillar of salt. She turned, her, she turned back and looked. She couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> and so, therefore, they, they, she didn't go no further with the Lord. She turned into pillar of salt, and that's where she was. And I guess it's destroyed by now. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but, the, but the covenant, it's an everlasting covenant. How many, how many sees that tonight? It's everlasting. It's eternal. God's, God started it with Abraham, but you know what? As we sing that song, Abraham's blessings are mine. And here in 2018, we can look back and we can say Abraham's blessings are mine. That same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is our God today. And we can look back and receive the blessing. It's the same covenant that he had that's our covenant today. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to shout a little bit. Turn to Galatians, the third chapter. 7th through the 29th verse, real quick. Therefore... Know that only those who are of faith, everybody say faith. <laughs> what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith perceives as real fact what's not yet revealed to our sense knowledge. That's faith. But he said, only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Remember, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So he was a man of faith. He was a man that talked about faith. Paul came along 
And he used Abraham a lot in his teachings. And he said that Abraham didn't shrink back in fear. Abraham didn't consider his own body now dead. But he just looked forward and took God at his word and he believed God. And he goes into the salvation message right there. It's a salvation message, but what it is, it's a covenant message. It's learning who we are and what we have. We learn to walk in the covenant. And he begins to say, if we're going to walk in the blessings of God, we've got to believe God. Amen? You've got to believe Him and believe that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. That's what God is. Now look what it said. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying... Uh, in you all the nations shall be blessed, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for he, the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. That's pretty cut and dry, right? Now look at verse 13. I love this verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now Paul's writing to the church at Galatia. This is the one, this is one of the churches that got involved in the ceremonies again. And he said, God has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it's not only a man's covenant, yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, he said, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the seed. He is that Christ, and that's the one that we're getting the blessings of the covenant from. Praise God. Now, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Hmm. till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. And is this law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law giver which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been seen by the law, would have been by the law. But the Scriptures has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ may be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was now our tutor to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. And after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither law uh, I mean, neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're all Abraham's seed 
and heirs according to the promise. Now, we read a lot of Scripture there. I hope you didn't get get too full. <laughs> but we're Abraham's seed. Everybody say, I'm of Abraham. We're Abraham's seed, and we're heirs according to the promise. Now, I'm going to get into something tonight because I brought all this out to show you that what we're going to teach on is actually the angels' involvement in the covenant. Did you know you've got angels? I believe in angels. I believe they're created by God. I believe that we entertain angels unaware sometimes. I believe that angels have showed up at your house on your doorstep or out in the grocery store or wherever. Sometimes you entertain angels unaware. Angels are messengers of God. They're to do service for the Lord. And we're going to get into it. They're not to be worshipped. They're not to be bowed down to. Because we've been made a little higher than the angels. We have been made a little higher than the angels. And we, we need to understand, a lot of people, they, I know a lot of religions, you go down into Mexico and you go into some of these other countries and they have a, a miracle to take place and, and an angel or an angelic being or something has showed up and they, they make a, they make a big altar there and a big temple there and, and, and they worship that angel. They worship the angel. They worship that person or, or that individual, that one that God created. But the everlasting covenant he remembers His covenant forever. Everybody say forever. Forever. No one can disannul or add to the covenant. Nobody can do anything different. <laughs> the Word is the Word and that's it. You can't argue with the Word. I, I told the story the other night about my... my, uh, my he was my vice president of my ministry and one of my elders in my church and the youth pastor. They went out door to door knocking just see if there's anybody that needed prayer. And they went to this one lady's house, and, and uh, they started talking to her. She said, sure, I could use prayer. And she said, I've been sick, and, you know, and so they, they, they laid hands on her, and they told her what they were going to do, and they anointed her, and, and they prayed for her. And, and uh, she said, well, she said, that was a nice prayer. She said, and I'm sure glad that there's still some good people out there. And she said, I've been prayed for many times, but it just hasn't done any good. In other words, she didn't receive. Well, my 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 uh, youth pastor and my elder, you, you know, I, I teach people well, and uh, they said, "Wait a minute, let me show you something in the Bible." And they had about three different scriptures, and they took got those scriptures, and they were talking about where Jesus bare our sicknesses and our infirmities, and He healed them all. And then in the New Testament, you know, where where He healed them all. And they laid hands on him. He spoke the word. And, and they just began to show her where Jesus was the healer. And she said, let me see that Bible. She said, I never have heard that before. Let, let, me, let me, show me those scriptures again. I want to read them out loud. She read them out loud. She said, you know what? I've never seen that before. She said, I want you, would you all lay hands on me again and pray one more time? Because now I believe. And they laid hands on her, and God healed her. She said, I'm going to go tell my church they need to read the Bible. <laughs> well, we, we weren't trying to start no division, but you know what? Jesus, He is Lord. 
And it doesn't matter whether we're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Independent, Nazarene, or nothing. <laughs> we're all going to have to come the same way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And we've got to believe. Amen? But the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, and all those who are saved by him are included. We're part of the seed. You have a right to the blessings of Abraham. You have a right to what God promised. Those blessings to Abraham were not just for Israel. They were for the church. They were for the believers. Because Paul comes back and shows where Jesus fulfilled the law, and he fulfilled all of these things that were necessary, and he became the sacrifice. And Paul began to teach that and share that through all the different churches in his epistles. You need to take time just take those. Some of those books are pretty small. You can read them in just a few, an hour, maybe 40 minutes. And But if you're going to study it, it may take you a little longer. But angels, angels. The Bible said in... Um, Hebrews 1.14, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Remember, we're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're part of the seed now. Abraham's blessings are ours. What Abraham saw by faith and through all those ages of years, through what he saw by faith, has now become ours. And we can now enjoy the blessings of God. And we're heirs of salvation. Angels. Are they not all ministering spirits? Angels. They're servants to assist us. Angels don't save you. Angels don't heal you. Amen? And so often, all of these shrines it's made is because this angel, and they make a saying out of you know somebody and, and, and the angels. The angels don't heal. Jesus is the healer. He paid the price for healing. And by His stripes, we were healed. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. Amen. Angels, ministering spirits. Ministering spirits to do what? To do service. Angels are to do service for us. They're not sent to perform whatever is necessary. They're sent sent to perform whatever is necessary in this earth realm to establish God's promises here. Angels are sent by God to help establish and to perform and do things that's necessary to establish the things of God. Hallelujah. Now, the law was ordained by angels. The Bible said in Galatians 3.19, Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels... In the hand of a mediator. It was ordained by angels. Now that word ordained is used in the sense of, of administered to have charge as a chief of agent, agent in management. In other words, angels are kind of helping out in the management of this thing that we're, we're seeing happen in our life. Angels, we're, we're going to see where, listen, you've had experience with angels in your life. Every one of us have had some experiences with angels. You might not have known it, but those angels were there that that was doing covenant and helping the covenant blessings of the Lord come. But they're ministering spirits, and they're ordained by angels. Now, synonyms of this word administer is to manage, conduct, minister, furnish, supply, dispense, distribute, direct, control, and execute. 
Angels do the pleasure of the Lord. Angels are part of the covenant blessings that we have tonight. The angels of God. Bless the Lord. Now, this is the Psalmist 103, verses 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, you His angels. Amen. Now, don't try to put yourself there and say, I'm an angel. <laughs> no, he, he's, the Psalmist David is saying, Bless the Lord, you His angels. Talking about the angels. Who excel in strength, who do His word. Heeding the voice of His word, bless the Lord, all you who, all you, His host, you ministers of His who do His pleasure. The angels are doing the pleasure of the Lord in our lives and in this world today. Hallelujah! The angels of God. Let the Lord in Psalms thirty-five, twenty-seven. Let the Lord be magnified, who takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Now, the word prosperity is not just the financial realm of it. It's talking about the whole realm, peace, joy, the abundance of God's presence in our lives. That's that's prosperity, too. The money part is just a small part of it. But God wants His blessings in our life to excel. And bless the Lord, all you hosts and ministers of His who do His pleasure. Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. The angel of the Lord, in Psalms 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him, and he delivers them. The angels encamps around about us. We've got an encampment of angels about us tonight. Praise the Lord. We need to turn them loose. Because, look at Psalms 91, 9 through 12. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. We need to get a hold of these promises for this end time that we're living in. Nor shall any plague or disaster, that's one word for it, come near your dwelling. Hallelujah. Praise God. I remember when Hurricane, I forget which one, there's so many down in Houston that come through. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was back in the, the 90s. Well, no, it was, let's see. Uh, no, it was in 2008. 2008. There was one, I forget what hurricane that was. Anyway, it was a big one. It was a big one. I mean, the, the power was out. Everything went, I mean, it was bad. I went outside right after, it don't take long for the hurricane to do much destruction, you know. It just kind of comes through, blown. It's out, it's out and going somewhere else. But I mean, it was a mess outside. But I'll never forget. When we heard that that was coming right towards Houston, where we were in that area, my wife had heard, she remembered a sermon that John Osteen preached. And he talked about the sands of the sea, that they're placed there as a perpetual decree to the waters. That they cannot overflow. They cannot stay there because there's a perpetual decree that God set boundaries. Hallelujah. And I, I remember that sermon very well, too. First, one of the first sermons I remember Brother Osteen preaching when I first started working with him and going to Lakewood Church there in 1970. And uh, he, he preached out on a Wednesday night. I remember that. <laughs> and uh, it, it was one of those powerful nuggets and powerful truths that came forth. And... That Scripture and the Word just came back to our memory. That's the Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost brings to your remembrance things that you've heard. He'll bring the scriptures back to you. Amen. And but we begin to quote that, and we 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 get, we said, devil, there's a perpetual decree that you can't come nigh our dwelling place. Hallelujah. And you know what? It didn't. It didn't. Trees fell everywhere, but not at our house. I got some debris in my yard, but it wasn't from my trees. It was from other people's trees. And we got out there, and we just got to, you know, cleaning up afterwards, you know, and getting out there, getting all the wood out of the way, and we was helping each other. And, and they said, well, it's going to be, it's going to be probably, I, I, I remember when something like this happened, it was a week or two weeks before we got all of our electricity back on. I said, no, mine will be on today. They said, what? I said, no, mine will be on. Who do you know downtown? I said, it's not who I know downtown, it's no, no uptown. <laughs> and anyway, they, they sure enough, our, our street got our lights on just like that. Praise God. <laughs> Somebody said, are you bragging? Sure am. Boasted on the Lord. I believe that because of the Scriptures that we could pray and speak over ourselves and our properties and the situation, I believe it's important that we be able to do that and believe what you're saying. Don't let it be just a ritual. Don't let it just be something, well, I heard this. No, we need to know. When it comes out of our mouth, we need to believe it, we need to know it, and we need to speak it in faith and speak it with authority and speak. Listen, the winds obey Jesus. I believe we have the same right as believers because he's our example. And it's him that made the provisions and the ways for us to do it. We can do that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that you may not get some results of something, but listen, we don't have to have the devastating results. Amen? We can just stand and believe the Lord. And uh, anyway, I know I get far out there sometime in left field. They think that preacher, he just believe, he just believes all this wild stuff. That's okay. I'm, I'm going to keep on believing it. I'm going to keep on preaching it. I'm going to keep on saying it. I'm going to speak on, keep on confessing. Listen, I learned a long time ago, if you back up, then you're going to really be in trouble because the devil's going to jump all over you. But if you just keep going forward with the Word of God, he don't have nothing on you whatsoever. You got it all on him. Because you see, devil, I remember reading in the Bible 2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated you. Hallelujah. And you have your power, you've been disarmed by the Lord. Y'all believe that? Hallelujah. I believe that. There's been storms go through places. I remember one little town, I forget where it was, but I mean the storm raged and just demolished the town and demolished everything. There was one little church standing across in the steeple, standing straight up. Everything else demolished around it, but there were people inside praying. I remember several years ago when a tornado hit. Uh, Sister Claudine probably remembers this uh, over in Fort Worth, where Calvary Calvary uh, Cathedral was over in uh, the First Baptist Church downtown Fort Worth, and uh, Bob Nichols, pastor, they had a prayer tower out there, 
And that prayer tower was, you know, way up there, and they had people up there 24 hours a day praying in that prayer tower. And uh, this tornado came through. I mean, it was, a, it was one of those storms that came through, and this tornado just dropped down. And I mean, it devastated everything around that church. It devastated the church pretty much. I mean, it destroyed a lot of things. The prayer tower, there was two ladies up in the top praying when all of this hit. They weren't expecting a tornado. You know, they weren't expecting that. And they were up there praying, and this tornado came, and that tower just kind of went like this, you know, just went like that. And those ladies came out of there unscathed, no marks of, uh, of hurt or anything on their body. The Lord protected them, and the prayer tower stood strong. Hallelujah. It made national news. It made national news back then. It made, I mean, all the newscasters were everybody talking about the miracle and the prayer tower standing. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. God's power and God's protection. Hallelujah. And God did protect. But angels do the pleasure of the Lord. Amen. Now, as we confess Christ before men, which we should be doing every day, The angels are dispatched by God for our benefit. Look what he said in Luke 12, 8 and 9. And I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. Did you know that when you confess Jesus before men, that Jesus himself is confessing you before the angels of God? (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us, heirs of salvation. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now, angels don't bring salvation. They can bring deliverance, and they can bring victory, and they can bring protection, and they can bring these kind of things. Salvation only comes through the shed blood of Jesus and what Jesus did. Amen? So they're officially dispatched by God. We've got some angels. Amen. Y'all remember that uh, It's a Wonderful Life, that old movie years ago? Uh, The reason I remember it is because the angel's name was Clarence. (laughs) I always tell my wife, I said, you got an angel of a husband. You know that? Because my great, 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 great uncle Clarence was an angel in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Amen. They're officially dispatched by God. They're, they're, they are innumerable. Look at Revelation five eleven through 12. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. This is talking about the angels. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Can anybody calculate that real quick for me? Well, I can't really calculate like that, but I leave that to the people that are calculators. And there are some professional calculators that have taken this scripture and calculated. And according to their calculations, Bible scholars and the mathematicians that they got with, have calculated that there are more than 100 trillion angels. How many knows that's a lot of angels? 
It only takes one angel to do some things. I, I don't know if the angel manifested himself at the prison where Paul and Silas were, but I, I kind of just visualize that one angel just taking that prison, just kind of keeping time with their music. <laughs> they were probably singing, He set me free. Hallelujah. But can you imagine 100 trillion angels, more than 100 trillion angels? I can't even begin to fathom what a trillion is. I'd like to see just a million sometimes, you know. But 100 trillion, according to the population that's in our world today, there's more than 7.5 billion people on this earth. There's more than that. It could be 8 billion or 9 billion. I don't know how many is here right now, but more than 7.5 billion people on earth today. If everybody got saved, according to these people that calculated this, if all one all 7.5 billion people got saved, that would be over 20,000 angels to each believer. Now, this is, I'm not just taking this out of the air. These are scholars and mathematicians that have figured this out. And if only half got saved, that would be over 40,000 angels to each believer. We're surrounded. Remember when the king of Syria consulted with his servants? He said, my camp will be in such a place. And Elijah sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you don't pass this place where the Syrians are coming down there. Remember when Elisha was doing that? <laughs> and he was letting in on the... Listen, God knows secrets. And he lets us tell the secrets to those that need to hear the secrets. Amen? And not just once, but twice this happened. And the king of Syria was troubled and angry. And he said, how is this happening? They said, there's a man down there, a prophet named Elisha, and he's letting everybody know your secrets, king. <laughs> well, he went down there and surrounded where Elisha was. Remember, y'all remember that story of the Bible there? Where the, where the enemy came in and surrounded where Elisha lived and his servant was there. And his servant looked out there and said, Elisha? He was kind of turned white already, trembling. He said, they're surrounding us. There's more of them than... <laughs> I've never seen this many before. You know what Elisha did? He said, come here, buddy. He just laid his hands on his eyes and said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And when he opened his eyes, he didn't see the army he saw all the thousands and thousands of angels that are on our side. Hallelujah. And there's more with us than they that's with them. Hallelujah. Are y'all still here tonight? Amen. I don't know that. This excites me. This makes a good movie. <laughs> but 
But Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes. You know what you know what the Lord is wanting us to do? He wants our eyes open tonight. Every one of our eyes need to be open. We need to be our eyes need to be open not just for angels. They're there. We've got more than enough. It only takes one to do the job many times. But not just for that, but we need to have our eyes open to the Word and get a revelation of it. And see Jesus, the sacrifice, hanging on the cross and what He did for us and how He came out of that grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And He had the keys of death and hell in His hands because He went down into the lower region. We need to, we need to Lord, open our eyes that we can see the victory that's ours. That victory's real. It's ours right now. We can have what God said we can have because God doesn't lie. Can you say amen? Huh. Daniel received a vision. And he needed understanding. He prayed 21 days to get understanding for this vision that God gave him. Then finally, the angel came. And he said, Daniel, the Lord heard you the first time you prayed. But I had a little problem out here in the heavenlies. The prince of Persia withstood us. Now, some people haven't quite got an understanding of what that means, but the prince of Persia was not a human being. That prince of Persia was a spirit being, a demonic power that had control of that area and that airspace and through that area that he was taking control of. Listen, when you, when you travel... If you go to, uh, get in an airplane, travel to one of these third world countries and through that area, when you come into that airspace, you can sense and you can feel the powers of Satan and the powers of darkness. I remember when we were in Haiti and uh, went down there for the first time. We went down several times, but the first time we went down there, all of this voodoo stuff was going on, these drums and all this and all the screaming and demons. Listen, demons were literally coming in those people. That's what was happening in, in those voodoo things that they did. And you could hear them. I mean, I mean, it was just blood-curdling screams. And, and I, I mean, you know, it made your skin crawl just, just seeing that. And then we get out there on the field, and, and, uh, and, and we're out there in the soccer field there that we had. And, and people came, and then all of a sudden the police come and disperse the crowd. And there's about 20 of them there. And, and I, I heard them, uh, the guy I was with, he kept saying, just do that. And I, I thought he was telling me to keep on going, you know. And just, so I just kept on preaching. Finally, the police come up there and got me by my shoulder and said, sir, well, what we're doing is shutting down. Finally, my friend said, oh, Brother Clarence, I tried to get your attention. I said, I thought you told me to keep on preaching. <laughs> we had to stay overnight. They wouldn't even let us out of town because the group that was causing the stir wasn't very far from where we were. And we had a little pup tent that my missionary friend had, and, and I had my elder with me, and we were sitting there. And we were in the tent, and, and uh, uh, Joe, the guy that we was down there with, he looked at me, and, and he looked at my elder and he said well he said you know those guys over there they mean business they they've killed some preachers before they've come in and stole all their equipment he said so you know i just want to let you know how serious it is he just turned over and started snoring I said, how can he sleep 
my elder, he got that scripture there in Psalms, where the angels of the Lord encamped around about us. We don't have to fear no evil. Praise the Lord. They come one way, they'll be flee another way. And, and, and we stood on that that night. And uh, I'll be honest, those, the, uh, you know, it took faith. <laughs> it took faith. But you know what? Nothing happened, thank God. My friend, the missionary friend, he slept all night. Kept us up all night because he was a snoring dude. I'll tell you what, he, uh, when he, his head hit the pillow and he was out just like that. And, uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't so much the fear of the people trying to come in to get our stuff. It's just I couldn't go to sleep because of the noise. And we tried everywhere in the world. I put pillows over my head. You know, anyway, but that's, nobody's ever had that problem with nobody, right? But the Bible said the angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him, and he delivers him. The Bible said in Psalms 91, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In, 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 in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. We, we've, we've got angels in this covenant relationship with the Lord. They have a place in our covenant that we have with the Lord tonight. And they're servants to serve you. And they're there to help you. And now, there's a word of caution here, because a lot of people, like I said, you know, a lot of people, they have miracles take place in a certain place, and they make a shrine of it, you know, and all of that. And angels are not to be worshipped. The Bible doesn't tell us that we pray to or worship angels. We don't pray to or worship angels. We pray to Jesus. We pray in His name. We come to the throne room of God and obtain mercy from the Lord, and we obtain that. But because the angels are there, they're ready to be dispensed on our behalf. Now look, what did Paul say? In Colossians, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Listen, I steer away from people that start teaching and preaching, and it's so supernatural in the sense of you don't even understand what they're saying, and they don't understand what they're saying, but they, they are in a, they're in a, in a, in a, in a realm of worshiping the angels. Now, angels are, listen, they're right here with us tonight. Praise God. They, they have surrounded this building, this, this territory. They surround your property where you live. The angels of God are all about you. They've been dispensed and dispersed by God himself. Amen? But we don't worship the angels. Look what Exodus said. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. We're not to make any shrine. We're not to make anything that we worship. Listen, thank God. I thank God for buildings. I thank God for the anointing of God that's in buildings. The anointing is not in the building. The anointing's in the people. And that's where the anointing is. And, you, you know, it's, it's the fact that we, we can't worship a place, a physical structure, 
we have to worship God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, but you're not to worship yourself either. <laughs> but the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells within us. So when we come into a building, we bring the presence of the Lord with us. Wherever we are, the presence of God comes with us. If a person comes in with intent to disturb and with intent to stir up problems and with the intent to be rebellious, that's a spirit also. But you see, the thing is, the Spirit of God in any of us override any spirit of Satan that would come in. Because we have that power and authority in Jesus' name. And God's given us that power. He's given us that authority. So thank God for the angels of the Lord. Amen. Worship the Lord your God. We've all had instances where we know that angels were instrumental in our protection. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, you know that it had to be some angelic being around somewhere. <laughs> or it wouldn't have happened. But thank God, because God is for us and not against us. And the angels of God are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us. They protect you. They keep you. They keep you. They, they, they keep you. Uh, I, I remember this preacher. I was in a conference in England here three or four years ago. And uh, I, I wanted to get my picture with him, but he, he wouldn't let us because his life is in danger through some of these countries where he goes and where he's from. And but he, he told a story that night. He was on an airplane. And he was, he was flying from the country where he was coming out of and coming, and they got into some turbulent storm. And I mean, this plane was going up and down, up and down. It looked like it was just going to shudder and come apart. And, and everybody was, the, the captain of the plane got on and said, sit, fasten your seatbelts, prepare for a crash landing, blah, 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 you know. And it started going down. I mean, you know, and this preacher just got up right in the middle of it and said, Jesus! And took authority over it. Then he gave an altar call. And some of the people got saved right there on the plane. Well, you know what? I guess if they figured it was going down, they wasn't ready to meet the Lord. They're going to get ready to meet the Lord. Hallelujah. But what I'm saying is we've, we've got the power of God on our side. We have a covenant relationship with the Lord tonight. How many glad for God's covenant? we got angels involved in this thing. Praise God. And there's more with us than those that's with them. We've got more angels than there are demons. That's what the Bible says. Praise God. I believe that. One third, only one third of the angels got in with, with Lucifer and got in with him on his team. And they all fell one-third of the angels. That left two-thirds. And those two-thirds is what we were talking about a while ago. All of the... How many, how many did I say that was? <laughs> it was a bunch, wasn't it? Amen. It was like trillions. <laughs> and and if, it, if, it, if, it, if, if what the calculation says, we've got at least 20,000 apiece with us. Huh? Yeah, it only takes one, but we got twenty thousand. We got an army of them. Pat and I's got forty thousand together now. 
we got a cat now. I guess I wonder if that counts for the cat. Hallelujah. Hey, I believe our animals are blessed. Hallelujah. I believe they could be blessed too. Amen? Because we live in a covenant with the Lord. And He'll bless everything we have if we'll allow Him to. Praise God. Lift your hands and just thank God tonight because the Word of God is truth. Hallelujah. And we have what God says we have. Lord, we can have it. We're going to rejoice in it because Your Word is truth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand before we leave tonight. Let's sing that chorus together that we can sing together. Well, my God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real, for He has washed and made me whole. His love for me, it's like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel Him in my soul. Well, sing one more time. Sing it loud. My God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real, for He has washed and made me whole. His love for me, it's like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel Him in my soul. Amen. Brother Stan, would you wait upon the people for the offering tonight and give them an opportunity to bless the Lord? Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless. Thank you for your abundant blessings in our life. Just bless those that obey you and are obedient to you in the things that you tell them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that can be at practice Friday night, 6 o'clock, we'll be here. Amen. God bless.